Welcome to episode 19 of the Women's Wisdom, Our Journey in Emergency Medicine, a production of the Women in Emergency Medicine section of the American Academy of Emergency Medicine. In this episode, Dr. Molly Estes interviews Dr. Kat Stefanos on her decision to complete two residencies at the same time and how her experience in pediatrics and emergency medicine has shaped her career so far. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of the Women's Wisdom Podcast. My name is Molly Estes. I'm clinical faculty at Loma Linda University in Southern California. And today I'm very excited to have with us Dr. Kat Stefanos, soon to be University of Maryland faculty starting tomorrow. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the transition she's been going through. Thanks so much for being with us, Kat. Thank you for having me. So we were chatting a little bit before we started recording and to anybody out there who might be looking for a secondary career in marketing or retail, we have a brilliant idea for all of you guys. Zoom section of clothing. Kat, tell us more about your genius idea and how I can invest because I'm pretty sure we're going to make millions off of this. So I think particularly women's clothing sections should have an area of a beautiful tops with very comfortable bottoms, such as leggings and you know, pajama pants that make you look wonderful for your Zoom conversations, but comfortable <laughs> at the same time. Anything with elastic waistbands and stretchy soft cotton. I am so totally buying into this idea. As am I. <laughs> And it makes me kind of sad that nobody's thought about this before. I mean, we've been doing Zoom now for uh, a couple of years, and this is really a wasted opportunity. I forget cryptocurrency, that just crashed, right? Uh, we really just need Zoom, Zoom-appropriate clothing wear. Done. You heard it here first, folks. It's going to happen. So to get into slightly more <laughs> pertinent topics for the purposes of this podcast, um, one of the things that we love to accomplish here is just simply hearing more about people's journeys of how they have ended up um, where they've ended up in life. And Kat has this incredible backstory. She is not just an amazing emergency medicine doctor. She's a pediatrician as well. She did a combined residency training program. So that means she's infinitely smarter than me. And I wanted to just pick her brain a little bit more about how she came to that decision and how that's affected how she's been able to approach her medical practice. So tell us more about that. That's kind of a hard decision to make as a medical student to do two residencies. Sure. So I guess I can actually back up to the emergency medicine side of it too. I was trying to decide what to go into to begin with. And my mom, who's emergency medicine, told me I needed to rotate in emergency medicine, to which I tried really hard to say no, because I had followed in her footsteps for quite some time. And I was like, no, I can't just be my mom. <laughs> so I- That was your went, moment of rebellion? No. Yes. No, never emergency medicine. <laughs> so after some convincing from her, she was like, no, I think this is the right thing for you. I did finally do my rotation and was like oh I really like this um, dang it dang it mom why are you always right always listen to your mom so it's the end of the podcast <laughs> <laughs> um they do know you pretty well that's <laughs> so I did my rotations in emergency medicine decided that was what I was going into but I had this sub-I set up for the NICU 
neonatal intensive care unit, not the neuro ICU, I guess. Um, but I did that in September of my fourth year of, of medical school. By that point, of course, like US stuff was in and ready to go. I was on my way to emergency medicine and I was really liking my NICU rotation. And the program director for emergency medicine, who's still the program director for emergency medicine, uh, Dr. Aaron Guidas said, uh, you need to go into pediatrics. I said, why? And I was like, I, I'm going into emergency medicine. She said, well, pediatricians don't like the NICU. Um, if you like the NICU, you have to go into pediatrics. Like a lot of pediatricians don't like this. <laughs> and, and I sort of paused, went home, considered it, thought about it. I thought back to my sort of mentor, friend, now friend, uh, who was an intern when I was a medical student who was doing the combined residency. And I thought she was insane for doing two residencies. I was like, why would you do that to yourself? Um, and all the people that I had met who had done it. And I was like, oh yeah, these are wonderful people. Great to work with. I've loved all of these experiences. And I went back and said, but it's September. <laughs> September of my fourth year, right? Like everything's in, I'm done. And I don't even have letters. Like, what, what am I going to do? And they sort of helped me through it, said, let's, let's go forward. And I applied and got in. Wow. That is, I can't even, okay. Talk about your inner ER doctor coming out, like down to the wire, 30 seconds to go. You betcha. I can get that crank in. Um, but I can't even imagine the thought processes involved in realizing, hey, I've got a completely secondary passion, something that I really want to pursue. I don't know if I would be able to be fulfilled without this. And now I've just got to make it happen. It must have been so important to have so many people around you supporting you during that process. Yeah, it was great. I had some fantastic mentors, um, people who I kept in touch with. And as I mentioned, the intern who is now a good friend and PD over in Maryland and our, our kids are friends and we spend time together when I'm in town. So. Sounds like trial by fire, right? If you come through the crucible on the other side, you will be forever stuck with me. <laughs> so realizing this, going through the process, succeeding in the process, um, what has that dual training um, provided you with, given you a, a deeper expertise, certainly, but a, probably I would imagine kind of a different perspective on your daily practice. What does your daily practice look like today? So I do a split time pediatric emergency and adult emergency medicine. Uh, I, so I'm always in an emergency department, though I guess if I wanted to, I could open a pediatric clinic or be a hospitalist if I <laughs> Um, in the future. Uh, but it allows me to really be involved with both sets of residents. I can be very much in the education aspect of the pediatric residents as well as the emergency residents, which is something I'm very much looking forward to with this next position. And it also gives me a perspective of really what comes next, even further than just the emergency medicine side of things, because I did a lot of floor time as a pediatric resident. So I know sort of a lot of those next steps that we don't necessarily learn as much in emergency medicine and also all the primary care pediatrics. So the well child, the, hey, is this kid developmentally like developing correctly so far? Is everything okay socially? 
um, all of those aspects that kind of come into play a lot in the pediatric emergency department, more so than the adult side. What are they, Stephen's stages of development? There's somebody's <laughs> name associated with them, and that's literally all I know. There's like a block stacking involved at some point, two word sentences at age of two. We have now officially tapped out of my uh, knowledge and so impressed that you have such a deeper understanding of exactly what goes into kids. But unfair question, which are better, adults or kids? Oh, so I really love the pathophysiology of adults, uh, but I like working with the children more. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Kids are not little adults, but all adults are big babies, right? Yes. So I like the mix. This is why I do both because I'd like to have that challenge of the adult patient gives you a lot more. Most of the time it's a one system, one problem with, with children, but very much so. So if you were, we have a lot of residents, a lot of um, students, um, people who are early on in their careers, trainees who listen to our podcast, if you could go back and give yourself some advice during that decision-making process, what would it be? Well, listen to your mom um, <laughs> or really just listen to the people who know you well. Right? Yeah, my husband also helped a lot with that. So be like, just do what you want to do. You got, if you need to do this, you need to do this. Like I was like, oh, but it's five years versus three years. And that's two more years of not, you know, making an attending salary and being a resident. <laughs> and he was like, you got to do what you have to do. You know, it, you have to really consider what makes you happy. Uh, and I found a lot of times that, you know, I joke with my residents here, I say, sit down with your CV, look at it, sometimes reread your personal statement that you wrote forever ago, like for now, it's maybe going into medical school or whatever you wrote going into medical school, whatever you wrote going into residency, and really ask yourself, like, what are the things that made you the most happy? Uh, those have been very big discovery points for me. So I always thought of myself going into community emergency medicine and right at the beginning of my fourth year of residency sat down with my CV and was like, oh no, <laughs> I, I like academics. <laughs> and I had to like, it was a very strange thing because I was like, I'm going to go work in a community and I'm just going to be like the peds person for the community. And I just looked and I loved teaching and I loved all the education components and I went back to some mentors and was like, help, I think I want to be an academic doctor. <laughs> it's almost like apologizing to yourself, like, oh, dang it, I'm sorry, self. I really like academia. <laughs> I say that as somebody who has always been destined for academic medicine and like never considered really doing community practice whatsoever. <laughs> Well, it's so funny because I, way back when, when I first met my husband in college, we were told that my, one of the professors not knowing that he was at that time, my, my boyfriend <laughs> was like, John is really good at public speaking. You are not very good at public <laughs> speaking. I think you should learn some tricks from him. And I was like, well, so I married him. So I guess that helped. <laughs> Um, so I, I never thought of myself as being in a role of teaching others. That was just like not where I felt comfortable. And then I, from there, worked for AmeriCorps and did environmental education on an island off the coast of Maryland. And 
I loved it. I just loved being outdoors and teaching and educating. And then as I moved forward, I, I never thought of myself as the teacher, but then I realized that that's all that I love to do. <laughs> so. Oh my gosh. I love that. Like, I, I wish I'm going to force all of my residents to listen to this particular episode, um, even more so than I typically do, because I tell them this all the time. You, even if you do, it doesn't matter what kind of practice you do, even if you do community practice, even if you do, you know, rural medicine, to be a physician is to be a teacher. Whether you are teaching your patients or teaching your staff um, or teaching you, <laughs> politely teaching your consultant, um, you are constantly teaching because to be a teacher just simply means that you have a broader, deeper knowledge base compared to the other person that you're speaking with. And as particularly as emergency um, doctors, we are constantly being taught. We are constant students. There will always be somebody out there who knows more than we do about whatever condition, specialty thing that we are discussing. And that's the nature of us, right? Um, we know uh, a shallow portion of a lot of things with our own personal niche deep dives into the particular segments, such as pediatrics. Um, but we have to stay humble in all of it too. Yes, absolutely. So with our last few minutes um, that we have left, tell us about the latest transition in your life. This is a very exciting move for you that you're going through right now. Yes. <laughs> so, well, I was born and raised in Baltimore um, and I went there for medical school. I stayed there for residency. And actually my initial plan is plans never quite go exactly as you, you make them. I plan to leave Baltimore for residency, but I also put Maryland as my first choice. <laughs> so, your subconscious might've been trying to tell you something there. Um, well, at that point, I had my first child and leaving the area for residency actually was going to be a huge challenge. And um, and I was very glad afterwards that I stayed there. But in my mind, I was leaving. I was like, I'll put it first, but there's no way I'm getting this. Um, but, so I planned on my move and I didn't make it. So I decided, we decided to kind of get away for after residency. I was like, I need to be somewhere I haven't been, experience a different area of the country. It's much snowier in Rochester. Um, and I've had a great experience up here, fantastic colleagues, a lot of educational experience, um, but particularly with COVID and the separation from family members and our parents getting older, there's a little bit more of a draw that back down to the Maryland area and all that the educational opportunities are there as well. So we after a lot of talking and thinking about it, decided to return back to Maryland, um, where I will be filling some of the same roles, working with the clerkship um, and splitting my time, but a lot of the same people are there. So I'm excited to return in a different capacity now as an attending with all these attendings who I used to view as like so far up above me. Now I'm like gonna be their, their peers, which seems a little intimidating still. But. Yes, Dr. Matu. Oh, you can call me no Dr. Matu. <laughs> That's my ongoing joke with him. Like he always tells me to call him Amal and I say yes, Dr. Matu. <laughs> well, and this is, this is 
the reason why emergency medicine is just one big family, right? We, we've had this conversation before, you know, you might have the, the sibling based uh, emergency medicine family, or you might have the parent child based emergency medicine family, or you might have the we're all dysfunctional cousins, emergency medicine family, but it is family. And so I'm so excited for you to be coming home um, during this transition period. It really is very, very exciting. And being closer to family too has got to be just really, really uh, special for you guys. Yes, it's absolutely a coming home. So it's it feels very nice to be returning to literal and figurative families as I come back. I've got nothing else to add to that. Thank you so much for being willing to let me strong arm you into this conversation. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. And to everybody out there, we will see you on our next episode. Take care. I hope you have enjoyed this podcast from the American Academy of Emergency Medicine. AAEM is a nonprofit professional association of over 8,000 emergency physicians dedicated to board certification and democratic group practice. For more information about AAEM, visit our website at www.aaem.org. Find all episodes of this podcast and our other podcast series on the AAEM website under resources and then publications. Join us again next episode for a new journey through emergency medicine.